Welcome, citizen, to the Watchtower. My name is Gary. And my name is Ben, and we'll be your guides as you peruse the archives of the world's greatest superhero group, the Justice League. And we hope that you'll join us on today's adventure. Welcome to episode 24, The Savage Time, Part 1. This is the season finale, Gary. Yeah. Uh, What a long, strange trip it's been. It sure has. And and honestly, like, Vandal Savage uh, in uh, The Savage Time... That is a season finale to me, so let's get it started. Yes. The League returns to Earth after an away mission. They had an away game, (laughs) Uh, but the Watchtower vanishes before their eyes, and Nazis rule the world now. They find a different version of Batman leading a resistance, because of course he is, and coordinating with him to find a time portal that Vandal Savage used to go back and win World War II for the Axis powers with himself as Fuhrer. The League follow after him, sans Batman, and uh, ap- and land on a battlefield. Jean and Wonder Woman rescue Steve Trevor, an allied soldier with hot intel, <laughs> while GL expends the last of his juice while being run down by tanks. Yes. Um, so before we really dive into this, I feel like I've seen the typical kind of stories that this show has to offer. Um I think I think it kind of fits into three categories. I was thinking about this as I was watching it. There's either uh, this one where we deal with an alternate timeline. There's mm-hmm. the goofy, funny episodes or, you know, goofy, silly episodes. And then there is shit. What was the third one? Hold on. <laughs> like the maybe like the bit character highlights, like the Aquaman or the Aresia or um, yeah. Yeah. something like that or the Hippolyta kind of. Exactly. Focus episodes. Yeah, those kind of episodes where we don't exactly deal with the Justice League, but they're also there. They're, they're there as well. Yeah, but this focuses pretty hard on the Justice League, mm-hmm. which I like. And it's not like the, um, it's not like Legends where we are going into an alternate reality and everything's kind of goofy. This is Nazis. Yeah. This is World War II. There's an inherent gravity to the situation that cannot be denied mm-hmm. um, and that lends it a very different energy from what we generally get with legends there's some like you know there, there's some wiggle room for like we can tell goofy jokes and kind of have a tongue-in-cheek attitude about it mm-hmm. no this is business no they are everything that these characters do matters and it really lends itself to a, an increased gravity for a season finale it does and we see a very different flash in this episode uh, not so much yeah. this part but in in later parts it's it's interesting no he's got he's got his game face on which i appreciate mm-hmm. yeah um but yeah this is um this is justice league fighting nazis and if, if i may yeah superman fighting nazis there's a long and storied tradition of uh justice comics and why they they used to have to explain to kids why superman didn't beat up hitler Mm -hmm. you know they they used to have to explain why that wasn't why you know it like like santa claus like why isn't this hero that is in my world solving all our problems right so there would be you know fantasies about superman punching out hitler Uh, There, of course, is the first Captain America movie where Captain America fights a bunch of Nazis. There's a storied history for superheroes fighting Nazis. Mm -hmm. I like it. It's it's fun. It's fun to watch the guys who are undoubtedly, unbelievably good being heroic at Nazis. Like, right. 
I don't know. There's not much I dislike about that. It's it's an easy target. It's a bit of a straw man. Right. But um, I think it works well. Yeah. As we move into the Steve Trevor portion of, of parts two and three, uh, not only do I get some serious vibes, which we'll talk about later, but I also kept thinking about Steve Rogers. And even to the finale of this whole thing, it gives very strong Steve Rogers uh, Avengers Endgame vibes. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. it's interesting the way they do that. He does, yeah. Operation Endgame. He calls Endgame. it Operation Endgame, yeah. <laughs> but, you, but one of the aspects of this, which we'll go into, is that Green Lantern gets separated from the group and also loses his Green Lantern ring. And yep. he just becomes... A Marine for the, you know, he's just in the army. He's just an army boy Yep. Uh, for the rest of the episode. And I think that we have been waiting for Green Lantern to kind of get, a, for, to, for him to up his game, for him to become dramatic, a dramatic character. Mm-hmm. I think this gets closer than the other ones. I don't know if it goes quite as far as I need it to, to like really respect him. But like, this is, this is an attitude toward him that I haven't felt yet this is good characterization that i i've been missing agreed for sure um which i mean i think we're putting too many cards on the table up front so we are let's let's just talk about part one here there's a lot to unpack Mm -hmm. there's a real captain obvious moment at the very beginning with martian manhunter when uh whenever we first see the this bright light that engulfs everything as john stewart is pulling the javelin and the team uh back with his Mm -hmm. ring power which I'm guessing is probably what expen- uh, used up a bunch of his energy. Uh, oh, they they front load it. They're like, yep. yeah, th- this is this has been a long trip. I need to recharge or something. He says something he does, that foreshadows yeah. that you know this would be what a really bad time this would be for a new mission to start. <laughs> right. You know he 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 puts all the he he loads that Chekhov's gun right away for sure. And they also foreshadow the fact that they're not going to actually see the same old Batman because mm-hmm. they're communicating with Batman and. Uh, Batman says something real badass and uh, Superman kind of quips to the team, same old bats. Yep. But it's not the same old bats. It's not. And (laughs) one thing that I had to say, I mean, like, I really like Batman's design in this. I like the way that he he looks. His his RoboCop cosplay? Yeah, it's kind of (laughs) cool. His his big RoboCop helmet cracked me up. I couldn't handle it. Uh, it reminded me of of a character design. Maybe it's the Thomas Wayne design or something, but it 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 seemed very reminiscent to me of something that I've seen in either action figures or comic book covers. I don't actually. I mean, RoboCop is a very action figure style. Yeah, it, like that. I I couldn't not think RoboCop with the helmet that covers the face in the way that uh, Batman's Batman's cowl has distinctly non eye looking eyes, but they're mm-hmm. still eye holes. Right. Um. This is straight up RoboCop helmet visor thing. It fits the environment. Like RoboCop is in a much more seriously toned, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, red foreman aside, he's in a seriously <laughs> toned world, right? Like right. things are chaos in the streets. There is, um, you know, totalitarian dictatorship kind of vibes going on. It feels very 1984. Mm-hmm. So to put a Batman that looks like that in Nazi space. Yep. I think that fits the moment. That fits the that fits the aesthetic that I think we were going for. Yeah, and I mean, uh, apparently, Batman's parents can't survive any of the timelines. <laughs> no, that, that that's so cruel. When when like <laughs> that, they meet. So they meet the totalitarian version, or they they meet the RoboCop version of Batman. Yeah, and he's like, "So you're saying if we change the timeline back, it's possible my parents won't be dead." 
And, you know, Superman kind of has to rub the back of his neck. And he's like, I, well, I, I didn't say all that, <laughs> you know. <laughs> right. He says something like, I, I can't promise that. Um, yeah. They also say, uh, John Jones also says, you know, if we do go back in time and change the past uh, so that the so that Vandal Savage doesn't take over and the Nazis don't win, this version of you will no longer exist. And Batman says a real cool line, which is, nothing would make me happier. Yeah. That's heavy. It is heavy, and it's it's very much like a Young Justice moment where someone accuses Batman of treating Robin as though he wa- Batman wants Robin to succeed him, and Batman being like, no, I'm doing this so that he doesn't end up like me. Mm. Like, he deeply regrets, and he's, he's a deeply damaged, traumatized individual. Right. And uh, I like the acknowledgement that he is so unhappy, because of course he is. Right. Yeah, of course. But uh, that that's a cool moment. Um, I also kind of like the, you know, I was surprised. I don't know if you were surprised by, um, you know, this was 2002 probably at the, at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so Nazis weren't really in vogue in, in, the, in the zeitgeist. Like we weren't talking about neo-Nazis or white supremacy on such a regular clip that censors would have to watch out for that stuff. So yeah. I, I don't think that this could be made now. That's true. Or at least it, it would be it would be a more different show. Mm-hmm. This would be a much more adult kind of themed show to say something like this now. Like they didn't even say die back then. There's no way they would say Nazis right. straight up. Um, and I guess they don't specifically say Nazis, but everything else is there. They got the SS, which I think they only have one S so that it can stand for savage or something. Right. But it's so clearly des- the design of the Luftwaffe and... Um, it's that they, they do the they do the goose stepping they do the the heil they call they call him Führer. everything else is there mm-hmm. there's no mistaking it this is a nazi paradise that we've landed in yep yeah i um, was i was shocked by this a, a little bit i mean i guess i'm i'm just so used to the way that things are now and how uh eggshell everything is and uh right. so when they just stomped right down on the uh on the cart crate of eggs i was like oh we're we're doing this now i saw it coming because i remember this storyline right i remember that they fought nazis at some point but i i'm curious as a newcomer to the show like if that was kind of a jolt you out of your seat or jolt you awake kind of moment because this um, isn't a thing i think that a show with the kid gloves on as justice league tends to be mm-hmm. would necessarily do not not today right oh definitely not uh I I think the kid gloves were actually pretty off in this episode. I don't I don't see this episode appealing to a child in any or this arc appealing to a child in any way, really. It's bold. It is it's bold. brave and bold. <laughs> it, it way more than that last one with the title of that. Uh yeah. you, you know, it's it, it's dark, it's relentless. There's very little levity at any point. And, Almost none. Yeah, and and the relationship dynamics that are played in later parts of this are like Kids don't care about that either. So who who is this made for? This one's made for us. Yeah, for you and me, Gary. <laughs> Specifically. Yeah. They were like, in 19 They're... years, someone's going to be talking about this. Yep. Yep. We got to <laughs> great lay the groundwork. And you know what else moment is for us? What's that? The uh, the beautiful friendship that doesn't often get highlighted between Bats and Superman. Superman is so happy to see Batman. I know. Every time, every time he checks in on him, he's got this big, goofy smile. And they're just like discussing, like, no, we're not your enemies. We, if we wanted to hurt you, we would have. And like, 
Batman looks down and Superman has mangled the gun and like hands it back with that Boy Scout smile. It's just so cute. It is. <laughs> and we get the big payoff of that at the at the conclusion of the of the entire arc mm-hmm. when they meet up again. But uh, we'll leave that for later. I just like that we started the series with an episode that was just Batman and Superman. And for yep. that to be a, uh, you know, there's a lot going on in this arc. But I think that that's one of the focal relationships that gets touched on at least. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This, so that's cool. I mean, one could argue that the first episode uh, kind of kicks off with Batman Superman, and this arc ends with Batman Superman. So it's a pretty tight, full circle thing that they do this whole season. And it's, it's nice and bookended. Yeah, it's yeah. very tight. It almost makes you wonder if they knew they were getting a, a second season whenever they were, you know, wrapping up, or if they were like, let's just tie these strings tight just in case you know it's mm-hmm. it's i always wonder what goes on in the head of the writers in situations yeah. like this right because uh, like there, are you know there are many shows nowadays where they they both tie enough loose ends up so that the fans aren't complaining for decades mm-hmm. to, to come but also leaving some loose ends open yeah uh, so that they can try to coerce the network that start off with a strong foot, I assume, in some negotiations on whether or not to get reopt. Right. Um, I don't know what that act, what that. Uh, I don't know what it actually looks like behind the behind the writers, like in the in the negotiation room for reopting television series. Mm-hmm. But um, I guess it it is an extremely confident move to wrap everything up so neatly. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Then again, the canon isn't, you know, deeply important in any one given DC property. They mix and match however many times they feel like they need to. Right. Retcon all the time. So, like, cliffhangers mean almost nothing to DC and Marvel <laughs> these days, probably. Right. <laughs> there is a there's a minor moment that I just wanted to call out because I find it cute, mm-hmm. which is uh, when they go into the past and uh, Flash comes out and sees that they're on, they're in D-Day, essentially, right? The, the, the the allied forces storming the beach of normandy yep um and flash says great jump in hera <laughs> i wrote that down too which I, I he must have picked it up from wonder woman yeah yeah and that is fascinating to me <laughs> <laughs> i i don't i don't know if i was fascinated more or bothered more by it it's 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 a weird moment but i i can almost see him being like so wally west would kind of do this i'm going to be the man that i think the women's that i in that are uh, that i'm interested in would want to have around like uh. I, I want so like he does this with miss martian in young justice where he like pretends to be super into magic shit when in fact he's a big scientist and he doesn't believe any magic mm. um but he he takes on that personality to try to like appeal right to the girl and you know he's already shown a a, a fondness at least for the way wonder woman looks right so I almost wonder if that's like a little unconscious trying to get her on his good side or, or vice versa, him on her good side right. just by like adopting her terminology. I didn't go anywhere with it in particular. I just found it fun. No, it, it is. And I think that I think that when you're around someone uh, in close quarters like these guys seem to be, you tend to pick up on their mannerisms or their expressions or whatever have you. So, oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. It, it, I mean, not, not too long from now, uh, you know, uh, I'm sure that. You know, Hawkgirl is going to be shouting Martian drinking limericks or something to, I don't actually, none of them, none of the other ones really have that consistent verbal tics. It's mostly Hera help us. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. 
I don't know. Do they? Do the rest of them have kind of verbal tics? Um, not that I can think of. They they definitely have defined personalities, but they don't have like catchphrases for the most part. Yeah, huh. you know what I mean. That's that's interesting. You would think that they would. Well, they're they're textured enough not to need them. Yeah. That's something that I commonly find in a lot of animated series, especially peddled to young kids, is you need a like a, a Gadzooks or that's my mama. You need like the Pavlovian yeah. um kind of catchphrase. You know, Jimmy Neutron and his brain blast, uh SpongeBob, I'm ready with that beautiful Tom Kenny delivery that we get. Yep. It's a pretty common animated series, com- animated comedy series thing to do, but this is a little older, a little more mature, mm-hmm. a little more textured characters and when you make a character textured they cease to be a single punchline with that is iterated upon right right you would think that flash would at least have a regular punchline that he he throws out because it it just seems to fit the mold but he he is jokier than the general surroundings in most cases so yeah that wouldn't be out of place he does say fastest man alive a lot but i true just associate that with his uh, overwhelming, crippling narcissism. <laughs> so, you know. He did say, gotta go fast every episode until Sega sent a cease and desist letter. <laughs> so. Listen, we love the blue costume. Don't think we don't. But you gotta change this this color scheme. It's too much. Get rid of those little red booties. All the spines are really creeping us out. <laughs> but yeah, I thought that was super interesting that he said great jumping Hera. I was like, that's that's a decision. That that is, is, yeah. That wouldn't just happen. Mm-hmm. So we get um, you know, we get kind of just like us setting up. We're not in Kansas anymore for the whole team. Like each of them kind of break to do their own. There's an element to this arc where they sort of break into subsets, and I'm not always confident that I know why. Mm-hmm. Like Jean Jones goes to Berlin because he senses a disturbance in the force or something. He does some, he says some John Jones shit. Right. Where we're just like, yeah, you do what you do, I guess. <laughs> but it, I don't think it's, it's very well articulated why he's doing that. Yeah. That, that was, uh, that seemed like a missed, uh, di- line of dialogue or something that, that stood out weird to me. The, mo- the motivation isn't particularly drawn very well, but like we have four different plot lines to follow. So like, right. Not all of them. need. So th- Let's just kind of discuss where all of these different groups are headed. Yes. Batman's in the future. We're not dealing with him. That's a shame. Right. But what are you going to do? Jean Jones goes to confront Vandal Savage directly because he senses a disturbance in the force mm-hmm. of some sort. Uh, Hawkgirl, Flash, and Superman uh, get get separated from Green Lantern. They're the ones who are kind of like helping the relief effort to get all the wounded soldiers back on the boats or mm-hmm. whatever. And Green Lantern, John Stewart, is uh, left without power behind enemy lines. And he he joins up he joins up with this real Forrest Gump troop of you, you know in the first um Avengers movie with Captain America, he gets that like he gets that like his his crack team of uh of goobers, his drinking buddies. One of them's from Fresno. One of them's a French guy. Yeah, you know, yeah. they're like just from everywhere. Um, and they're just like they all have those cadet nicknames, like from Full Metal Jacket. <laughs> right. Where like one of them, one of them's named Ice Cream. One of them is uh, Bulldozer, I think, and uh, Wild Man yes. with the red hair. That's right. So he's kind of joining up with like 
a military buddy group i was to have like an entirely different kind of story i was getting some serious gi joe vibes from that oh ragtag yeah. group mm-hmm. um so that's that's the third group and then the fourth group consists of wonder woman mm-hmm. wonder woman uh I don't remember how she encounters Steve Trevor. Can you can you help me out with this one? Uh, initially, she takes off with Martian Manhunter, right? So oh, okay, and they separate mm-hmm. at some. Oh, that's right. They they both encounter Steve Trevor, and then yes. he finds the disturbance in the Force for whatever reason, right? Uh, but as to why she follows Steve, I actually don't remember that, and I, I just think it was watched like it an hour Steve's- ago. You know, I think it was like Steve said something to the effect of I've got uh, I've got the I've got like I've got like this device that I need to bring to this code breaker. It's extremely important for the effort. Mm -hmm. And Wonder Woman says, like, well, if it's that important, I should kind of go with you. Right. Which is uh, a nice gender flip. It is. Like, I I need to protect this man because he can't protect himself nearly as well. Right. It's that's cute. And I think that. Steve Trevor is a really fun character for Wonder Woman to bounce off of because he's just a normie mm-hmm. who is like passionate, but not chauvinistic, right. but still gentlemanly. Like it's it's the perfect, uh, it's the like the trifecta of foil to Wonder Woman mm-hmm. in that like he's 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 down to earth in a way that she kind of is not. Right. She's very idealistic. He's very he's very down to earth and like cares about his country. He's normal. He's very unpowered. Um, and he also just like does not put on airs. Mm-hmm. So I, I I really like Steve Trevor in this arc. Right. I I think it's I think it's in this arc actually. And I I wondered for a minute if he had superpowers because there's a scene where he's he's running and he just clears a fence like he just jumps straight over it. And I thought it was a weird animation thing. I was like, can he? Does he have super jumping abilities or <laughs> what am I missing? I mean, here? you. No, I mean, like, look, this is how the good old Nebraska boy, baby blue eyes, beautiful golden locks. This is how they're they're built. They they run. You've seen Smallville. Of course. Um, You have someone this beautiful and this homegrown, you know, Nebraska boy. They're hopping fences. They're hoisting bales of hay every day of their <laughs> lives up until they enlist at 18 because they what they really want is to serve their country. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, this is like, yes, this is a real Nicholas Sparks protagonist of a. <laughs> <laughs> of a of a of a heartthrob here, uh, and he's even got like debonair James Bondian kind uh, of dialogue. Yeah, too. you say Nicholas Sparks, I see Ian Fleming, but you know, agree to disagree. I mean, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's it's pretty good. Yeah, um, and he's actually my character highlight for the episode. Awesome. So this character was created by William Marston. Um, you may recall that he and um, a uh, life partner of his. Uh, uh, Bird uh, made Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. So this is the same person who made Wonder Woman also created this foil, this romantic interest for her. And he first appeared in All-Star Comics number eight in December 1941. So he is a lot. This is why he's such a teen, uh, like a like a strapping military man heartthrob. It's like he was created during the, during the 40s leading up to World War II. So like... <laughs> This is where he was created. This is where he belongs. He fits perfectly into this moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and initially, he was uh, he was the first foreigner to ever set foot on Themyscira and eventually became ambassador to Themyscira to open up diplomatic relations with the Amazons. Mm. Um, was 
originally designed as a complement to Wonder Woman's character as a roguish, cynical realist who's seen the awful, brutish nature of modern civilization. So this is a direct contrast to, like, her naivete about man's world. Right. This is someone who has seen the horrors of man's world and perseveres in spite of that. Mm. You know, I think they have a line later on of, like, you are mortal, you are weak, you are you have no special powers, how can you be so brave? Uh, and he, his response is, there's some things that are worth dying for. So he's just real down to earth. He's not uh, kidding himself about the cost of war, but he's he's run the numbers and realizes what's important. So right, that's cool. Um, he initially in the in the canon, his plane actually crashed on Themyscira during World War II. So it's not temporally displaced from his real origins in the comics, but it is spatially and situationally displaced. But yeah, um, that's that's pretty much his his deal. Hmm. He eventually got written out of the story because he was kind of boring <laughs> on his own. Uh, but, you know, he's been reiterated and renewed a, a few different times. Right. I like him. I you know, he's got some Tony Stark. Yeah. Debonair, mischievous lech mm-hmm. kind of energy to him that I that I really like in a protagonist. He does. Because um, he because he's also. He's not dishonest. Like he's a uh, he's noble after a fashion, but that doesn't stop him from being a little sleazy, and that's just a fun combination to work with. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, How do you feel about Wonder Woman having a bow in general? Uh, generally, I'm fine. Well, I don't know. I mean, in in the movie, which is honestly what I base a lot of my Wonder Woman knowledge on at this point, which mm-hmm. is not great. Between this and the Steve uh, and the uh, 1977 series with Linda Carter. Where mm-hmm. Steve Trevor is also uh, in that, and actually he's more the uh, the CIA kind of guy uh, in yeah. that. So, I mean, it this in general, I think that it's good to have Wonder Woman paired with someone like him, and I think it works pretty well. I, I wish that it were developed a little bit more in this series, but you know, I, I understand he's a three a three part episode, and that's it kind of storyline. So. Yeah, I I like I like the idea that she is romantically entangled with a normal man. Mm-hmm. Because it, that is the, you know, the biggest taboo, Aphrodite's law, no man shall step forth onto Themys- Themyscira under penalty of death or whatever, however it's worded in like flowery ye old English right. or Roman language or whatever. So so that feels appropriate to her character, um and that that is why when she does couple with a man, it is Batman. Right. You know, Mm -hmm. that 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 is it makes perfect sense that a normal man would somehow find his way into her heart. Yeah. You know, she's she's not drawn to the extraordinary. She's already extraordinary. She's interested in normal man's world. Mm -hmm. So that that is very appropriate in my mind. I think that um, it's possible to be a little bit upset about it if you see her as kind of feminine empowerment. And whenever you tie down a female empowerment person with uh, a man, that is uh, inherently going to ruffle some feathers, I think. Right. Um, but she she doesn't seem dispowered by this uh, attraction. No, I, I think that, I think, like you say, the fact that it's a human man makes it all the more interesting. If she were, you know, partnered up with, uh, you hear the term power couple all the time. If she were partnered up with Superman, that'd be a too powerful couple. Like, the two of them are 
equal strength, and and I just don't think the relationship dynamic would be nearly as interesting as it is. Oh, it causes the end of the world in injustice. Oh, okay. I mean, not really, but like they are. It's it's remarked upon that the two of them together is not good. Right. <laughs> it is bad for every every other person and also the world. Right, right. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm fine with her having a relationship. Yeah, I, I like her having this fling that doesn't actually threaten her relationship with Batman that will eventually happen. That's it's been hinted on oh, in yeah. this series even. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is kind of just like a way to get her feet. Or so are wild oats, right? As it were, right. Which you have to uh, read between I, yeah. the scenes, but I'm pretty sure you know. I mean, come on. I think she They're figures about to have out. Candle at dinner. Yeah. I don't. I think she. Uh, she can't knock it anymore because she's tried it. Exactly. <laughs> <Ew>, callback. <laughs> One more thing I want to say about Steve Trevor because yeah. I find it very funny is that uh, in the in the lore in the comics canonically, um, they would often have contests for a hand in marriage. You know, kind of like you must defeat me in single combat if you are going to marry my daughter. Kind of you know rustic uh, um, or uh, primal you know um, na- uh, native contests for the hand of marriage of. of of some other cult from some other culture that kind of thing right and he would cheat at these contests using cia spy equipment <laughs> uh including at one point uh tracking her using spy tech uh oh. to to stalk her to find her with her childhood boyfriend merman <laughs> and i'm out that's all i have to say about that wow because that's just like a very tantalizing detail that goes nowhere. Right. <laughs> like, well, when, did, when did she, I mean, like, I guess they're not stepping foot on Themyscira if they're like people. So uh, if that's the only way for, you know, them to knock boots when they're coming of age, like, sure, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Knock yeah. fins. Knock fins and or bracelets, I suppose. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah. But I like I like Steve Trevor here, even if he's like a weird James Bondian caricature of what he was in the comics. Sure. Yeah, I agree. Well, you got to do something to update him. Mm-hmm. They do keep uh, his nickname from the comics, which is that he calls her Angel. Yes. Which I think is very, that's very cute. It's very cute. It's a little overdone in these three parts, I think, but. I'll, I'll agree to that. But I mean, what else would you call her? She flies. She's got the proportions of a goddess and she saves your life. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> I almost kind of wanted to like see her through his eyes and her to be like having wings and holding a glowing sword or something Aww. like an angel of vengeance almost. Yeah, that would be cool. Yeah. Like, yeah, like at the very end when she sees him again for the final time for that to be how he sees her would be kind of cute. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, he good. He good. Uh, I don't know how much else I have to say about this episode. We we move very fast and a lot happens. Yeah. And they, they set up a lot of different moving parts, but I feel like they do it pretty aptly for the most part. I agree. I, I think that this is, well, all three of these parts are pretty action heavy, but I don't think that there's a dull moment even when I'm not as interested in it. And mm-hmm. um, the the last thing that I, I wanted to say is, is yeah, we, we, Towards the end of the episode, we clearly see GL having some performance issues, uh, which is look every of, man goes through it. Yeah, it's kind of Jean's thing, but whatever. Uh, at least he didn't get mind knocked out this one. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, 
fortune at that. <laughs> he actually has like no problems. No. This episode, <laughs> like he gets captured, but like he just leaves. <laughs> like, like there's there's actually no problem. Yeah. <laughs> just like I'm gonna go and just phases out and yep. just leaves. Yeah. <laughs> just like rejoins the team. Like you don't have to rescue me again. I'm I'm fine. He's kind of like this is the 1940s they don't know mind powers yet right <laughs> he's pretty amazing um mm-hmm. yeah i don't i don't have much else for this episode either honestly i guess one thing that i wanted to mark, remark upon is that uh vandal savage and his uh his nazi uh upper command they're all kind of around a boardroom table and talking about these costumed supermen mm-hmm. um the the word superman has an extended meaning here Right, because it's Nazis, the yep. Ubermensch, that whole thing. Right. So it's not surprising one that uh, Superman fighting Nazis is kind of a good um, is kind of a good set piece, just in terms of like the Nazis believe themselves to be superior into the whole eugenics thing. Mm-hmm. They're trying to become the best men, and this is somebody whom fights for everyone and is by definition better than men. Um, that's just it's very like tonally consistent with superman's whole thing about i consider myself an earthling even though i am technically better than all of them right yeah that's so i i I really like them all being in the same in the same location also fits with vandal savage because um we're going to talk about him more next episode but one of his big things is what motivates him is uh He's lived long enough and holds humans in such high regard that he doesn't want to see things stand in the way of his of of their progress. Mm. And the Justice League prevents them from growing by acting as a crutch to humanity. So again, we get this idea of humans becoming more than. Right. Uh, and so he makes sense as the leader of Nazis. Yeah, yeah. And it's also a convenient way to get Hitler to not literally be in charge. Although we do see him. We do, which... Which is... That's <laughs> that's a moment. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if that was this part or the second part, but it was No, it was it was this part. I wrote down John Jones opens the thing and like sees Hitler and he's just voicing what the audience is thinking, which is fascinating. Hmm, <laughs> 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 I'll just close that door. Yep. Yep, 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 yep. I It made me wonder if he knew who Hitler was. I mean, I assume... Oh, of course he did. He's seen Gone with the Wind. He's seen... <laughs> I mean, like, look, he's he's definitely... You know, he's he, he definitely seen enough old movies to know who Hitler is. He's seen all the propaganda. Right. I forgot the number one rule we, we created for Jean. My, my bad. Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, there's also a... um. There's a reference that I wasn't sure on, which uh, I think somebody... I don't remember who says it, but someone knocks down a plane and says, So long, Fritz. Did you catch that? Somebody calls one of the Nazis Fritz. I did, yeah, but I didn't. Is that so? That is a thing that I remember from the movie Wizards, which we had talked about on my podcast, the Carton Cast, which is a famous little scene in which um, the horrors of war are kind of ridiculously portrayed through this character Fritz, who has like an elaborate death scene, and then it's shown that they didn't actually die and they were doing it for glory. Mm. It's it's a really weird little detail for them to call back here, unless I'm getting the reference wrong. I don't know if Fritz is a broader thing. I just kind of noticed. It it could be. It could be a character in Catch Twenty Two or in you know Nineteen Eighty Four or something like. It could be a a, a book based reference or something. But I it kind of flew over my head. Okay, not, fair enough. Not just because it was a plane, but 
Okay, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, what was your uh, what was your highlight? Because clearly that joke was not it. <laughs> well, I, I, I like it okay. <laughs> I was kind of torn between two highlights, actually. So if I can say them both, I'd be happy to. Sure. The scientific method by which uh, Superman takes down a tank is kind of nice. Mm. Like he flies in, he punches it. Nope. Heat la- laser vision. Uh-uh. Uh, he then just like steps in front of the tank and just tries to push against it. <laughs> like none of it's actually working, but he's going through all of his verbs and he's like, I, I should be able to fight a tank. Yeah. I'll just keep on trying things until one of them works. That was good, actually. Mm-hmm. I like that they didn't just cut to him kicking ass. They like, nope, nope. Uh, these, this is future tech. It is not that easy for you to bring down. You're going to need a coordinated effort and a plan. Mm-hmm. You superhuman dingus. <laughs> So I, I like that he had to struggle a bit with it and was trying several things. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it just, uh, he's so often portra- portrayed in a lot of different properties as a meathead. Right. It's not the way of it. He, he's trying different things to try to try to get it to work. Awesome. Um, so I, I was torn between that and also the one time that they take down a plane by having Jean Jones phase into the cockpit with the guy, which like, if you have no concept of Martians... And you just suddenly see a rapidly approaching green man phasing through your plane. That's the the appropriate reaction does happen. Bleh! <laughs> yes. Like this poor guy, just, it, that was the last thing on his mind. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was a great scene. And it was actually also my favorite moment. So... Oh, I'm sorry. It's all good. It, it is all yeah. good. But th- I mean, it's such a, it's such a cool moment. Uh, I, I just love I love the way that the art direction goes in that it's it, it's just neat the, mm-hmm. the way that they kind of first person perspective that shit. There's a couple really good first person like POV sequences in this arc. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I wonder if it was like, you know, running the budget out on the rest of the year. <laughs> yeah. You know, clo- close closing the books kind of we can afford to do a couple cool things with our cinematography here yep. or, or or something. Yep. But I, I definitely took note of those sequences for sure. They're very impressive. Indeed. Well, this has been fun. Uh, We got two more parts to to go, so... Indeed we do. uh, That will conclude part one. Uh, Ben, where can people find you in the meantime? They can find me whining and dining the Amazons in a bunker somewhere uh, while doing my podcast, uh, The Cartoncast, which is at fancybat.com slash cartoncast. You can check us out there. It's a podcast that I run with my brother about old cartoons. And uh, Gary, where can people find you? I can be found at the Wax Nostalgic Network. All right. So uh, thank you, Ben. And uh, thank you guys for listening. We'll talk next week, Angel. Thank you for listening to The Watchtower. To find out more about this show or any of our other shows, visit us on the web at www.waxnostalgicnetwork.com.